Welcome to VCR, a vintage cinema rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Blake. I'm Jason. Prepare to be born again into an untroubled world full of anxiety, fear, and hate. And that's a bit of a play on a quote from this movie. Perfect. And man, such a good movie for everything from the beginning. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978. That's what we're watching today. We did it for our Halloween special. I just want to say, like, where's this movie been my entire life? You know? It's been popping up in references. I've, I've recognized the references, but yeah, I've yeah. never uh, sat down and watched it or known that this was that movie. Yeah. I feel like, you know, term pod people has been in the zeitgeist. Like, I've, I have known of the term pod people for as long as I can remember, you know? Like, that goes into my childhood, basically, right? And when you and I started talking about Halloween movies, scary movies, horror movies to do for this uh, episode, what you said to me, you posed me this question of, like, what's a movie that you've heard of that's always been kind of on your list that you never wanted to check out? And this was the one that actually stood out to me because, again pod people been in my life like the idea of pod people been in my life my whole life yeah i've heard of invasion of the body snatchers you know it is a bit of a cult classic and i've never seen this one and wow wow what a movie yeah exactly <laughs> and again like thinking of uh movies there's so many horror movies that uh, like if you're a halloween like addict you're you're watching like all of these classics yeah like halloween and uh there's so many and we could have picked any of those, but, like, this one, I think, like, people should watch it every Halloween. It is shocking how scary a movie from 1978 with, like, a relatively, I, w- I don't know if low budget is the right word for it, but low, you know, special effects. This movie really prides itself on inducing fear by Suspense. interesting camera movements like yeah, a yeah. very you know dynamic score with lots of like sound effects and there's a few big people in it but not that many big people yeah you know what there's some kind of some fun surprises like when we get into the cast and characters of this movie like this is a weird ensemble cast of characters that you would or, or people that you would never expect to see together mm-hmm. so yeah do you want to get into uh the plot a little bit yeah, really, I just want to go, like, really light on the plot on this one because I don't want to spoil anything, you know? Again, this is what was our pick of movies that are always kind of, you know, floating around. You know they kind of exist, but you've never maybe seen them. And so this movie has a lot of really cool twists and turns. There's a lot of, you know, stuff that you realize as you're going through the movie. And, you're like, you're learning stuff, but you're learning stuff, mm-hmm. like, from... 20 minutes ago kind of thing that suddenly things start making sense and it's just like how this movie kind of navigates through the story that's really special yeah yeah i had all these questions in the yes. beginning of the movie and then they were answered very subtly nothing like hit you over the head until like certain points i guess but like for like it leaves you questioning for quite a while this movie expects you to be an intelligent audience watching it. Like, yeah. it's not trying to hold your hand throughout, which is really something special in 2023, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is something that you don't necessarily get to see. Like, this is all sh- uh, show, not tell. Exactly. Really? Like, I'll give you the most bare bones plot summary. Like, it really just a premise of this one, because I just want you to go in with the same amount of fear and paranoia that I did throughout this movie. The basic premise of this film is... What if one day you wake up and the person next to you 
isn't the same person that you fell asleep with. But they are the same person, you know? It's mm-hmm. the same body. It's just like it is the same person that you have known for X amount of years, like you're married to them, whatever kind of thing. And they know you. Yeah, and they know everything about you. It's not like, you know, suddenly they're a completely different person. But just something's off. Something's not right. Mm-hmm. And that little like tick just itches and itches and itches in your brain it's subtle and you you could miss it easily for like a while when you're like talking to them and then yeah but like you're like why are they like what is this and so you notice that and then it suddenly it starts to creep up on you when you're out and going about your business like the person that you're giving your dry cleaning to just doesn't have that same quite the same personality that you've come to expect from them mm-hmm. or like your jokes don't land when they should and like the, yeah the in inside jokes are like like why didn't they laugh at that and like just yeah. inconsistencies to personality it's like again all of these little things piling up one on top of another until suddenly you know your entire brain goes to the reaction of like something has happened to change these people and that is the heart of this movie is something has happened to have changed a massive amount of people and you know we've got a really cool setting we're in 1978 we're in san francisco beautiful city at this time period you know we've got a really interesting setup of the characters one of the most crazy like cameos of all time in the beginning i don't even know if you would have caught it necessarily i did you did? Yes, I'm so glad you did. It like it literally the person came up and I was like, "Oh my god, it's my boy." And Jess was like, "What?" And I was like, "Look who is on the swing right there." Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's such a little like crazy moment that hurts your brain, but that's also like a good way to describe this movie is there's so many small little details of this film that are constantly like alerting the like primal part in the back of your brain saying, "This isn't right. This isn't okay. Something's mm-hmm. not right here." kind of thing. And that build up throughout the movie. And then we get like, you know, little bits, like you said, like little kernels of understanding as, as we get through. That's really special about this one. What I'll say is, you know, like this is an alien invasion film as well. You know, it's a sci-fi horror. One of my favorite, like two of my favorite genres mashed in together is always going to be a treat for me. Mm-hmm. Like this is a Blake movie through and through. I, in the opening scene, you know, literally the opening credits is of this like alien planet and these weird like single-celled organisms kind of like bubbling on the surface and then floating out and we've got these like all this synth music and everything and i was like oh yeah this is gonna hit this is gonna hit right in the feels yeah yeah and like the the music the score throughout just like has the perfect like it sets you deep into the creepiness right away yeah exactly exactly so who are the characters and people you should know in this film so really we've got it's a relatively wide cast of characters, but there are probably four to five central characters that we should really dive into. And I'll go through them and kind of how, how we meet each of them. Um, so Matthew Bennell is one of our main characters. He's a health inspector. He seems to be you know relatively passionate about his job. Like in one of the opening scenes, we see him going to a restaurant and basically picking out all of the little details as to what's wrong in this restaurant, all of the the horrible like health hazards that they have and find in there he has a really good attention to detail and he hates that guy he wants to shut that restaurant down so bad yeah yeah he's definitely got a vendetta against this restaurant owner 
it's a really interesting scene. It sets up some of the wrongness of the film too, because his car windshield gets smashed at the beginning. And that's something that's present throughout the film, which I, I think is actually really good at setting up kind of the, that everything that is wrong kind of with this movie kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He actually is played by Donald Sutherland. Uh, somebody we've actually talked about this year on this podcast from the Dirty Dozen. Another great Canadian. Another great Canadian actor. Another great movie, actually, that we talked about this year. He's Kiefer Sutherland's dad. Modern audiences, you're going to know him from the Hunger Games series. He was President Snow in that. But he's got a, quite a big filmography, so really cool. I would highly recommend uh, you know diving into his filmography a little bit more if you're interested. He's got like 200 acting credits, I believe. Yeah, pretty close to it. Very important person in the MASH series way back when. Mm -hmm. The next character who's introduced here is Elizabeth Driscoll. So she's actually one of the primary characters that we're even introduced to. Uh, she picks like what, what I call the meat flowers um, <laughs> in the opening part of the film. She picks one of those at the park and brings it home to her husband because it she finds it really fascinating. It's kind of different from all of the other biological stuff she's ever seen kind of thing. And she's just really interested in it. And she actually happens to work with Matthew Bennell in the public health office. Just in a different department. She's more like the um, research and like testing of different compounds and like for health reasons yeah exactly and she's the one who really gets us going with the plot because she's the one who wakes up and her husband is no longer the same person that she went to bed with like he's acting something very is off strange. about him yeah yeah and and she notices it she picks it up right away and she really confides in matthew to help her just try to figure out and logic her way through what's going on with her husband. Yeah, and they are so flirty. Yes, it's <laughs> a very, like, they're definitely husband and wife, like, work buddies kind of thing, you know? Like, yeah. that's definitely a thing that you can connect with somebody at work. They can be your, your work spouse, basically, and they're, they're definitely work spouse, spouses with uh, maybe, you know, like, a little bit something more under the surface. They definitely share a connection, very similar personalities, very close like that. Elizabeth Driscoll is played by Brooke Adams, who modern audiences aren't honestly really going to know because this is kind of her in her prime. Like in the late 70s, early 80s, she does Days of Heaven and The Dead Zone as well, which is a Stephen King adaptation. More recently, she I, I don't have a lot of filmography to discuss with her. The only thing that I, I did want to quickly mention is she is married to Tony Shalhoub, who we've mentioned on this podcast before, the main star of uh, Monk. You yeah, know that guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she's been married to Tony Shalhoub for like 30 years, which is cool. She was um, in five episodes of Monk. Yeah, exactly. Since, uh, yeah, they're connected there. Yeah. And then we've got Jeff Goldblum popping up uh, as one of our ensemble bit of cast. This is like a young Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yeah. One of his first film appearances. He's awesome in it. He's kind of plays like a jaded wannabe writer. Like he he's trying to kind of, get into the writing world he's friends with matthew um so jeff goldblum is playing jack belichick and he's married to nancy belichick who's played by veronica cartwright she owns kind of that mud room kind of spa treatment center that took me back i was like i i remember so many uh like old shows where people would be going to the mud spa and like soaking in mud 
And yeah, like it's that, like a cartoony kind of thing. Yeah, that's completely gone in today's society. Like, I yeah. completely forgot that that was a thing. But yeah, they run together uh, one of those spas, and they're kind of struggling a little bit, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're definitely more on the fringes of society, you know? They're not like... They're not, I don't know, fully integrated into, like, the white-collar part of society, you know? Like, they're they're on that fringe. Yeah. I will say Veronica Cartwright, I was like, I know who this is, but I couldn't remember why. And she shares a, a connection with, like, one of my other favorite sci-fi horror films of all time. She's in the original Alien, and she's got a very memorable character in the movie Alien. I did not recognize that. I Like, she looked familiar. I didn't look into it too much, but um, who was she? Uh, she played Joanne Lambert in Alien. Huh. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, well, she's kind of uh, the navigator. You know, we haven't really talked about Alien yet. We haven't done it on this podcast, but she's like coin flip. She could have ended up being Ripley instead of Sigourney Weaver, but she ended up being one of the other characters instead. Great movie. Honestly, it sounds like you haven't watched it in a long time, maybe. And so I would say go back and check it out because that's another, you know, one of the Mount Rushmore of sci-fi horror. Yeah, and we almost did that one. Yeah, 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 (laughs) for sure. And then so she also was in The Birds, The Witches of Eastwick. Uh, She's received awards for her roles in ER and X-Files. So, you know, all those 90s culturally important TV shows. Mm -hmm. And the last character that I want to mention is Dr. David Kibner, again, another one of Matthew Bennell's friends that they kind of confide in. They're trying to figure out what's going on together. He's a psychiatrist, so, you know, he should have kind of an idea, understanding of the human mind and and why people might be suddenly changing. He's played, rather interestingly, by Leonard Nimoy. Exactly, yeah. Spock from Star Trek, if you don't know who that is. Yeah, and he played it so well, and, like, they kind of... Like, he's Spock-ish, just with a different tint or hue to him. <laughs> yeah, he's he's playing somebody of high intelligence, right? Who's supposed yeah. to understand the mind and the, the human brain. Like I said, his character's very interesting. I actually had a lot of, while I was writing down the film, like, my mind about Leonard Nimoy and his character and his portrayal kept changing. And, mm. I like, it was a very interesting thought process that i went with his character and i think we'll discuss that when we get into like the full spoiler details in quite a bit of detail yeah definitely and i already mentioned that again there's kind of like a a very big cameo in the opening shot of the film which is really cool uh we'll talk about that in the spoiler full discussion there is one character that i want to mention because we actually or one actor that i want to mention and because he's very significant to this film series and we've even talked about him this year on the podcast and that's kevin mccarthy he is actually the main character of the original invasion of the body snatchers film he plays this guy who's kind of uh freaking out they almost hit him with their car and he's screaming at them they've come and and that they're gonna get you kind of thing uh he plays dr hoke in piranha which is like the mad scientist doctor guy right okay (laughs) uh there's another connection to the or to the previous like 1950s um yes there is the director of the film plays the original quick role cameo in this film as well yeah, he's a little bit later on in the film. Watch out for the taxi driver scene, and that's the original director. 
Yeah, yeah. This film is actually directed by Philip Kaufman. He wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the greatest films of all time. And he also directed The Right Stuff. So not a director that's known for anything too modern at this point in time, but Raiders of the Lost Ark is a very notable movie to have written. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So who is this movie for? Was there any movies that while you were watching this kind of immediately came to mind that that you would compare to? Because I had had two that were like front and center for me. Well, yeah, our first episode. Yeah, The Thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, this shares so much DNA with The Thing. The Thing comes out four years later in 1982, so this is kind of the original take on it. But, you know, this is a paranoid, a very, very paranoid movie. It's about alien invasion. And replication. And replication, like yeah. DNA getting messed with, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's there's so much going on. There's so much you can compare to the two of them that that's such an obvious one like cosmic horror elements all of that there was one modern film that i actually also instantly thought of and it's funny because these are all my mount rushmore of sci-fi horror or or horror in general but the movie it follows this movie shares you know not a lot of like plot points with it follows but it shares a deep sense of wrongness throughout the film like it follows is in my opinion the king of just like Everything going on in that film, whether it's, like, devices being used, plot, like, everything just is, like, made to make your brain go, what is going on? Why is this happening? Like, just fill you full of that sort of anxiety. And this Mm -hmm. is the most comparable thing that I have to, to this because there was a pit in my stomach the entire time I watched this film. Yeah, yeah. I have to watch It Follows then. Oh, It Follows is, like my mount again my mount rushmore of horror like my mount rushmore of horror before this movie was like the thing it follows and sinister and honestly this one might round that out as as the fourth because it is very good movie and we'll talk about it in our spoiler full discussion more yeah how do you think this uh film holds up for modern audiences I think that this honestly holds up really well. Like I said before that there's not a lot of special effects. There are a few, but they're so gross. They were good. Yeah. Like here's the thing is if with special effects, there's like three time periods. There's pre-CGI practical effects. There's like VFX beginning of CGI, which is like mid nineties to early two thousands, which is just honestly often pretty bad. And then there's modern sci- or CGI, which can range from, like, they spent $100 million on this, it looks pretty good, to they didn't spend a whole lot of money, things were rushed, and it looks pretty bad still. Yeah. And so this obviously fits into that pre-CGI practical effect kind of model. And you and I talked about this when we did Jaws, like, way back when. Sometimes less is more, and, you know, most of this film doesn't really rely on the crutch of spe- special effects to kind of sell what's happening no but damn does it nail it home when it oh needs my to. God. like yeah them limiting how much they show and then uh the way they show it is great there are two like scenes in particular that are like truly horrifying yeah yeah for modern audiences that is not going to take you out of the movie it's going to draw you in even more and then uh, also like the pacing i actually find for an older movie, it's quite tight. It's a two-hour yes. movie, but um, you're in it from the beginning to the end, and you can't 
you don't want to look away. And part of that, again, it goes back to like everything going on in the background, right? Like there's just, Mm -hmm. there's just so much to pay attention to. There's so much like, you know, there's, it's almost like Easter eggs, but not quite. But the more you pay attention, the more you try to put the pieces together, the, you're really going to get sucked into this one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like they, those background things, they make you question what you think is going on with certain aspects like you know just from the title that they're kind of the idea of what's going on and then in like the first little bit you think you know but then there's all these questions that are they build up and slowly answer it's nice so yeah yeah, for um modern audiences like i think i could show this to almost anyone as long as i can convince them like just sit down and watch this movie it's awesome and if they are open-minded and will watch it, they'll they'll love it. This is one of those films where, you know, we're doing this podcast now. We're going to release it in a week or so. But I've already started telling people to go check this movie out in my in my personal life. Just because of how much I, I connected with it. How much it held up for me. And how much of, again, a little bit of a underrated gem this is. It really is, yeah. And like cult classic for a reason. It's just like a smaller cult, I guess. And more people, we need to reach more people. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, again, this is, it's a horror movie. So that's going to automatically close the door on, you know, a certain subsect of the population. You know, not everybody wants to be scared or feel paranoid. But yeah. if those are your kind of movies, oh my God, you need to watch this. Yeah. yeah I agree. Okay. So when to watch? I think that this is maybe the best double feature with the thing that you could ever ask for. Mm. I would I would watch the thing first and watch this second and then in my mind connect them as a as actually like happening in the same universe. That would be such a good movie. It would be like uh, Alien versus Predator. Like that's how watching them back to back would feel, I think. It's a little bit of a stretch. Like, obviously, it doesn't work out perfectly, and you'll understand once you watch the movie and if you've already seen the thing. However, it shares enough of the same DNA with each other, and they're both, again, like, invasion stories, uh, very paranoid, body-like horror. Mm. I think that's going to be my goal for next year, now that I've seen both of them, to do a double feature night with these two. Because they're both really special in their own unique way, and... I think that's the best way to watch it. Otherwise, you know, like this is a late night movie. This is a a Friday night, like start this at 9 p.m. kind of thing. Turn off all the lights. Oh, yeah. Turn off all the lights. Watch it in your basement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I Okay, I watched this late on a Saturday night, and Annabelle was not watching it with me. She was upstairs watching, doing her own thing. Right. And my God, did she... like? The whole time, because I was in this paranoid suspense, like, mood, and, like, I was into the movie, I kept looking over my shoulder, expecting her to just pop up. I knew she was going to fucking try and get me. And then the, like, most perfect, like, five minutes of me getting, like, zoned right in and then certain scenes (laughs) happening, she fucking got me so bad. She scared, like, I I almost punched her. um, Just, like, like, I was so, like... (laughs) I almost got snatched or something. <laughs> this is a white knuckle of a white knuckle movie. Like yeah. I will say there is there are points in time where I was yelling at the TV. Like it started like me being like I, and I don't want to spoil it, mm-hmm. but 
even like I said, there's one particular scene where I was like, come on, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I am really excited to talk about this in full spoiler details. So that's that's that. Uh, Where to watch right now. It's streaming on Amazon Prime as a rental, but it's only $2 right now. So Mm. like it's nothing. It's nothing. So I highly recommend you check this one out. If this feels like it's going to be a U movie, you can honestly even buy it on Prime for like five bucks. I kind of regret not just buying it, but I'll probably Mm. end up buying it on like DVD or Blu-ray because it was sick. Yeah, I loved this movie. And that's it for the spoiler free discussion. Like, I really didn't want to dive too much into this one because as a first watch, it's going to be very, very unique. And I I don't want to spoil a lot of it because I want you to, like, you know, get to experience all the details for the first time yourself. Like, a part of me wishes that I could rewatch this for a first time again. But there's another part of me that can't wait to rewatch this. Yeah. I know what you mean. (laughs) So that's it. We'll see you next time for the spoiler full discussion of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And I can't wait. So we'll see you then. Yeah, let's get to it.